Business Rap. Business Rap of the Day on Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga Tawe. 20 minutes it is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. And we take a look at the big stories in the world of money and power. Uh, joining me on the line to uh, take a look at uh, all of these is Akwana Mlamlele, Portfolio Manager at 27.4 Investment Managers. Akwana, good evening and welcome. Evening, Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for coming through. Akona, I want us to start off with that letter uh, that, uh, yeah, certainly, I guess, uh, led the charge uh, in the Financial Times by President Cyril Ramaphosa, urging rich nations uh, to keep their end of uh, some of the climate promises, but also uh, coming as it did on the day where there was that big announcement. Uh, of uh, 8.5 billion US dollars in a deal uh, between uh, some many nations in the global north and South Africa. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so in the FT this morning, um, Cyril Ramaphosa um, has urged particularly the developed market countries um, to help in assisting um, emerging markets um, countries whose um, power or um, emission is dependent on coal um, to provide some funding or some investments in order for these countries to transition um, to renewable clean energy um, in the future. So um, that was the, uh, the communication that came out this morning. And it also indicated that the country, particularly South Africa and other emerging countries, um, such as Africa, whose coal is about 77% um, of the country's power, um, and, but it, it does need help in terms of cutting its greenhouse uh, emissions, and to order to transition to um, low-carbon um, economy. So that was the communication that he indicated this morning in the Financial Times. And then this afternoon, um, it was announced that um, Cyril Ramaphosa has secured um, some green finance um, with some of um, the countries and governments, including the UK, US, France, and Germany, um, who have provided some commitment, um, agreement um, in terms of um, the financing um, of the landmark plan in the, in, in the COP26, uh, which is taking place in, um, in, in Scotland. So this will be about $100 billion um, for, for the next five years um, to assist developing countries with the climate um, change, migration, and adaptation. But also what's important, I know, is also um, important, which is what they raised in the communication today, is that they will also be assisting communities and countries um, who are very much heavily dependent on the coal industry. Um, so there will be some funding that will be assisting such communities who have received employment and who are get salaries from the likes of coal-producing um, um, companies and resources. So this is a deal that um, is pleasing to note that is taking place. Um, however, the funding is likely to take place over the next five um, to take, um, 10 years. Have we heard anything, I guess, in terms of the conditions of this? Um, so in the se- one sense, I guess, you know, people are saying it's going to be concessional. What does that mean? And have we got any detail on that score? Maybe the second one is uh, there might be some conditions around the decommissioning of our existing fleet of coal power stations. And I would be interested to hear whether or not that came out in any of the um, communiques around this issue. Uh, because, of course, if it's out of kilter with our in, uh, integrated resource plan, there might be a bit of um, challenges there around policy uncertainty. Yeah, so um, in, in the communication today, um, they did indicate um, in terms of partners with, with regards to imports, um, a lot of the partners, particularly in the Africa, who have partnerships with regards to other import countries, 
um, will be imposing the likes of um, tariffs um, for countries who still make use of um, coal um, as a significant producer. Um, so those were some of the little details that were provided, but it's little detail in terms of how the funding and financing will take place and what these nations will need to do in order to receive um, this particular funding. So um, it, it is very much little detail on that. I think we'll just have to wait um, in terms of the provisions of how the, the T's and C's um, will be applied in terms of the agreement that will be signed with these nations. And I guess, you know, Akwana, the, the other question that many people might have uh, top of mind is, you know, what does this mean for the man on the street? What does it mean for people in those communities that uh, this statement has uh, really tried to hone in on and focus on as some of the people who might be the potential beneficiaries here? Yeah, so um, as you indicated, ESCOM, um, which is very much um, a, a company that makes use of um, coal power stations to obviously provide us um, with electricity. Um, however, as indicated, there will be um, a plan, uh, uh, what they call a, a just energy transition, um, which mm. entails protecting and supporting um, particularly workers um, and communities whose livelihoods um, have been um, built on the carbon economy. Um, so a commitment has been made of approximately um, 130 billion line commitment um, in order for the intention for um, the climate investment fund to assist South Africa um, with the grant funding. Um, that will be um, so that will be supplied to South Africa, but also the just um, energy transitioning, also needing and also providing details in terms of these workers and communities who are dependent on the livelihood, on the of coal particularly, and how they also be assisted with this grant funding. Mm, mm, mm. Now, now the other story that we saw coming out, um, you know, today was some of those uh, sales update uh, figures that came through for the 39 weeks ending 26 September, coinciding with the July riots of MassMart, uh, that uh, mega retailer there. What do you make of those numbers? And I guess, uh, yeah, the Sasria payout uh, by the insurer, they're not enough to uh, deal with some of the losses from uh, uh, the uh, carnage we saw in the month of July. Yeah, so maybe just starting with the results that they released um, for the updates, um, sales for updates for the 39 weeks, um, ending um, the end of September, the third quarter. So the group, uh, particularly MassMart Holdings, um, saw uh, b- about operations uh, in terms of their sales um, rise just um, over 2.5% um, in the 39 weeks to end of September. But it also highlighted some of the sales from its SA stores, which were up 4%, um, 4%. And as you're aware, they have the likes of MassMart under their um, home, and mm-hmm. the likes of Boulders, and particularly in terms of the macro, um, who are... Who is, with, uh, who is one of the companies within their stable, um, they said it was increased by 10.8% um, over the period. Mm. However, they did highlight um, in the results this morning that um, the food division, which has come under significant pressure, um, mostly due to the, um, the hospitality sector and the restaurant sector, catering sector, um, which was not operation, operating in full capacity. Um, so that um, was a bench in some of the numbers that they released this morning. Um, however, they did indicate liquor sales um, were up 48.1% for the period. So that's they um, got some reprieve um, from the prior year where mm-hmm. there were restrictions in terms of liquor. And builders, um, the builders business has one of the strongest performances in terms of their sales, which about 11.8%, um, which was higher than last year. And as you know, the builders and us all working from home, 
We can look at our houses and see what else needs to be improved. So that's, they received some good numbers in terms of that, as people have been doing some home improvements in terms of their gardening, um, in terms of their houses. So that did provide some reprieve in terms of their sales numbers. But as indicated, they were not immune from the rise that did take place in July. Um, so in terms of the numbers that they have finalized, in terms of the civil numbers that took place in July, um, it cost them about $2.5 billion, um, of which $1.3 billion relates to about um, inventory losses. Um, that the company did incur. However, they have provided some, have been provided with some support um, in terms of Satria, who's provided some support in terms of some of the losses that they have incurred. However, Mathmart, as you know, has got gain on this division and gain has been suffering or has been having some challenges. So it is a challenging child amongst the businesses that they have. So a lot of shareholders and investors and investors have been indicating that Mathmart needs to cut gain and just focus on the businesses that are performing. However, MathMart is continuing to reinvest in them, um, who, which they've also redesigned some of their stores in order just to get foot traffic um, put in their stores. So we just wait in terms of to see how that game business gets revitalized and also some of the initiatives that they are putting forward in terms of the technology that they're putting forward and some of the acquisitions that they are doing in terms of online space, um, which will be quite fruitful um, in terms of in online shopping. Mm-hmm. Let's shift our attention now to that Brent crude oil price. Now, I, I know about a year ago, I mean, I we were reporting on this platform of oil prices or 28 US dollars a barrel, uh, 30 US dollars a barrel. Uh, and now we're hovering around 85 US dollars a barrel. Uh, mm. This on the back, of course, of those massive production cuts by OPEC, 9.7 million barrels a day or 10% of daily demand uh, by 2020 uh, in output cutbacks. And it seems uh, they haven't been able, I guess, to supply the marketplace in tandem with the massive surge in demand that has been experienced over the last while. Yeah, and it was during a time when we were all in a lockdown and we couldn't travel to work mm. and we also couldn't reap the rewards of a lower oil prices. Um, but yes, um, all edges to um, about $85 per barrel, um, and that has come through in the last um, few days um, where it did breach that level. So in terms of the oil um, demand, um, it has been increasing, um, but slowly. Um, also trying to pay catch-up, as we know, during the pandemic, some of these oil um, members, OPEC members, um, who form part of the OPEC um, organization, um, did... Um, decrease in demand due to the pandemic that had taken place, um, but due to economies opening, opening and countries um, coming in terms of uh, opening up in terms of the pandemic, post-pandemic, um, oil price has surged um, because, um, and, and unfortunately, um, demand is not obviously um, playing up with um, the supply that is currently needed. So, yes, OPEC, which um, cut outputs by 9.7 million barrels a day, um, particularly in 2020, um, has been gradually, in terms of the monthly, increasing production to about 400,000 um, barrels a day, um, despite many countries calling for the, the supply to be increased. Um, however, they are um, taking some time in terms of this, which is what's creating the oil price um, to be where it is. But also just to indicate um, some of the, our neighboring countries um, who are quite oil dependent, such as Nigeria and Angola, um, who are should be benefiting from this oil prices and taking advantage of it um, in terms of the recent rebound of oil price that we've seen. Um, however, have not been reaping the rewards because of some of the t- 
challenges that they are having in terms of actual problems um, in terms of some of the um, infrastructure that they're struggling to um, get, get up and running in, in, in terms of this. So, yes, um, some of the OPEC members um, are, are, are benefiting. However, some of the African nations, um, such as Nigeria and Angola, um, aren't, uh, aren't reaping the 100% benefits um, in the oil price we have seen. Yeah, and I guess uh, many smiles one might see out in Angola and in places like Nigeria as well uh, when prices are surging in the fashion that they are. But uh, we know, I guess, it's a seesaw when it comes to, to oil prices and uh, COVID-19 because chigi chigi is phase four you know, mm-hmm. of the lockdown. And um, yeah, we're back at square one again. So I guess yeah. there's all, all of those challenges. But let's shift our attention now to Ireland. Where uh, it seems a pilot for a four-day week is full, going full steam ahead. Uh, tell us a bit more about this. Yeah, so there's a four-day uh, week pilot um, that is underway um, by 20 countries that have signed up for about a six-month pilot trial. Then that will involve um, the reduction of working hours um, from the beginning of next year, particularly February of 2022, um, which will be conducted uh, as a pilot in terms of a collaboration between business, um, academics, and some trade unions in an effort to reduce working hours um, from the five-day working week that we know it as um, to a four-day week. Um, and this uh, pilot is without an overall loss in pay. So the concept is just to um, just understand and also they have seen other studies, particularly in the likes of Ireland, which also did a, a pilot of this nature mm. where it did provide some improvements in terms of um, staff morale in terms of employees, because I think COVID-19 particularly has played um, quite a momentous um, role in the growing demand in terms of working from home and also in terms of um, applying in terms of your health, mental health uh, and other initiatives that um, employees um, in the 21st century need to adapt to and employees need to adapt to in terms of remote working um, revolution um, that we have seen and experienced in the past 12 to 18 months. Mm, mm, mm. And maybe just the last one, I guess, uh, just on this issue of a four-day week. Uh, I mean, it's quite clear COVID-19 has shown uh, that, uh, you know, we can get very, very productive, uh, especially mm. those who have the opportunity and the privilege of doing uh, a lot of their work remotely. Mm. Um, and in a sense, makes one wonder whether or not we really need a five-day week. What do you make, I guess, of uh, how this might be experienced by employers here in South Africa, many of whom are already saying we've got too many long weekends, too many public mm. holidays, and that's a drag on our productivity. Yeah, so you'll notice that the pilot Ayabonga is very much tilted towards developed markets um, who's, um, um, who don't have the concerns or the challenges of unemployment and so forth, uh, growing an economy that we currently have. So um, I think moving to South Africa, we and the, the losses in terms of um, time that has happened in the last 12 to 18 months, and just to get the economy going, get unemployment and improving those numbers, um, I think won't necessarily translate to the efforts that are being applied in the more developed markets. Um, I think we would have to be um, in the range of 6% to 10% um, growth in GDP to be able to consider such efforts. So um, at the moment, we need our five to six days of, um, a day of working just to get our economy going, get um, just to get the wheels going because there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, mm. in South Africa. So, yes, some of us do have the privileges of even working five days a week. Um, unfortunately, others who do 
who work in retail um, don't have that luxury, unfortunately. So we just do need to balance those in terms of those that do and those that don't, but also being grateful that we even have an e-savings. But we know during these times, um, it, it is challenging. And post the elections and the outcomes that will come out in the next few days, um, we just need to get um, um, just roll up our sleeves and just get to work because um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But unfortunately, we don't have the luxury like they do in Ireland and other business markets. Akona, we're going to have to leave it. This is um, always a pleasure catching up with you and uh, thank you very much for your time. No problem. Thanks so much. Bye. Akwana is a portfolio manager, 274 investment managers, joining us uh, this evening for our wrap of the top business stories.